Mary, God bless you for taking us through a time of prayer. And we thank God tonight for another meeting and the opportunity to fellowship together in his word that we may encounter him. The Bible says that Jesus Christ, God who at Sunday times had spoken to us by the prophet, had in these last days spoken to us in the person of his son. So Jesus Christ is the message of God to us all. Since the day he came and manifested the Father unto the world, till now he has been the message, the singular message of God to the world is Christ. There are only two messages that came from above. It was the law that came. God gave that message, the message of the law to Moses. The Bible says that the law came by Moses. It was given to Moses and was brought down. Moses did not write it. God did not speak to Moses. <coughs> Excuse me. God did not speak to Moses to write the law. No. He inscribed it and gave it to him. Hallelujah. And he brought down that message unto the people. And the law, the Bible said to the Israelites that the law is your life. That means that to experience the life of God, you had to obey the law. But the law that was intended to bring life, rather brought death. The Bible speaks about the ministry of the law, that it is the ministration of death, engraved on tablets of stones. And the Bible says that if the ministration of death engraved, engraved in tablets of stones was that glorious, how much more? Hallelujah. The ministry that we now have in Christ Jesus. That was the first message of God to mankind. It was the law. It was the law. It was the light that God gave them. But the purpose for which God intended the law to function, it could not. Why? Because the key for unlocking the fullness and the, the fullness of the blessing of the law could not be used. That is obedience. Obedience was the key that was supposed to unlock the fullness of the law. But because the people still dwelt in their sin, they could not obey the law. Hallelujah. So the Bible says that that which the law could not do, that's what the Bible says, God sending his son had now accomplished. The second message of God to mankind that came from heaven above, to us, just as the law was given, this time was Jesus. So Jesus is the message of God. Men could encounter God. Men could see God through the law. That was the purpose and intention of God. But they did not. Rather, the law brought blindness unto them. And the law rather brought sin unto them. And the law rather brought death unto them. But the law was intended to give life. The law is righteous, was intended. But because of the way it was mishandled, it rather brought death and blindness unto the people. But Jesus Christ, the second message of God to mankind, 
has come. And in him we see all of God. Hallelujah. In him we have an encounter with God. And how wonderful it has been for us. That even 2,000 years down the line, more than 2,000 years down the line, we also who have come to believe in him have had an encounter with God. Hallelujah. Through him. Hallelujah. Now, Jesus says something. He said to the Pharisees, he said, you people, you search the scriptures because you think in them you would find life, eternal life. But you don't know that these scriptures speak about me. And Jesus was not just a message from God. He was the embodiment of the very life of God. So that which the law intended by God to accomplish could not Jesus accomplish because he himself was eternal life. Hallelujah. So in him we have life. The Bible says that in him is life, and the life is what? The light of man. This life that we have in him is the light of man. The law was intended to bring light, but this light, this, this light that the law gave was only a light that showed them their sinfulness. But Christ Jesus being the light is not just a light that shows you your sinfulness, but it is a redeeming light. Hallelujah. A light that redeems man and brings him into the glory of God. How beautiful it is. So even now, to still encounter God, we need to encounter God in the person of his son, Jesus. Hallelujah. And Jesus being the living word, there is also the graphy, which is the written word, which speaks of him. So in the graphy, we can encounter God. That is why when we meet, and we fellowship, we speak the word of God one to another. Because by speaking the word, we encounter him. By speaking the word, any encounter outside of God's word, you have to be careful. Any encounter of God outside of his word, outside of his word, you have to be very careful. Hallelujah. All of God is revealed through his word in the person of his son, Jesus. And tonight, that is what we are going to look at. We are going to take his word and encounter him and know his heart and understand his purpose and understand what he would have us do and understand things about our faith and understand things about our walk with him and understand things concerning the kingdom. Hallelujah. The purpose of the word of God. Amen and amen. Today, as we began our fast for this month, and I realized that this this um, dawn, the time was changed, drawn back an hour. So some of us missed prayer because we had not changed our time. But we thank God anyways. As we began our fast, we, we said that our, the book we are studying for this fast, this month's fast, is the book of Romans. Romans chapters 1 through 8. Chapters 1 through 8. And I was, you know... As we're going through the day, I was reading through, and something struck my heart. I read a part that really struck my heart, and I just started speaking in tongues. And I want to share some few things with you over there. Hallelujah! And I believe that it will refresh your faith. And I love it because it is actually, you know, for the past week we've been speaking about faith, and it's actually something in regards to that. And I believe that it would really lift your spirit, man, and enlighten your understanding. Of, of your faith. Hallelujah. And refresh it. Romans chapter number 4. Romans chapter number 4. Verse 13. Verse 13. 
verse 13. Verse 13, we are going to read from verse 13 to maybe verse 22 or verse 24. Hallelujah. So I want you to bear with me. And uh, as we read through, I'll be speaking to you concerning it. Romans chapter number 4, verse 13, and I read here from the English Standard Version. The Bible says, for the promise to Abraham and his offspring that he would be heir of the world that is did not come through the law but through the righteousness of faith. Look at this. The Bible says, for the promise to Abraham. You remember how God called Abraham and gave him a promise that in his seed shall all the nations of the world be blessed. The Bible says that God made a promise to Abraham. But the Bible is telling us here that for the promise to Abraham and his offspring that he would be heir of the world. Now remember here it says and his offspring. The Bible did not say and his offsprings. His offspring here is talking about Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. That he would be heir of the world did not come through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. Hallelujah. Look at verse 14. You would understand it even better. For if it is the adherents of the law who are to be heirs, faith is null and the promise is void. The Bible says that we are joint heirs with Christ. What does it mean to be an heir of God? It means that you are an inheritor. Meaning that as a son of God, you have a rightful possession, you, you have a bona fide right to the possessions of the kingdom, to all things that are of God. Hallelujah. You have a right to it. The Bible says that if it is the adherents of the law, who are the adherents of the law? Here it's talking about the Jews, right? But in our day, the adherents of the law are, is any believer who do has come into grace, still wants to live according to the law. He, not even being a Jew, still wants to live according to them. Listen to this. It says, For if it is the adherents of the law who are to be heirs, faith is null and the promise is void. Hallelujah. The blessing of the kingdom does not rest upon the adherence of the law. I see a lot of believers still listening to law messages, preachers preaching the law. But the Bible says that the law with its ordinances have passed away. Hallelujah. What do we have now? What we have now is faith. And herein, Paul makes a very you know, I love it. A, a very, a very simple but very deep argument, just a positioning. You know, faith against the law. So there are two things: faith and the law. And he says, if they, it is the adherents of the law who are to be heirs, who are to be heirs, that is joint heirs with Christ, participators together in the inheritance of Christ, then faith is null. Faith is made of none effect. And the promise is void. That means that the promise of God unto you as a believer is void. Will not come to pass. It, it's meaningless. It is nothing. Hallelujah. Because if it is, if you adhere to the law, if you, if you become an 
A, according to your adherence to the law, that it is something you gained by your own merit. The Bible says, not of works, lest any man should boast. The Bible says that, but to him who worketh not, but believeth on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted to him as what? Righteousness. But to him who worketh not, but believeth on him who justifies the ungodly. Hallelujah. Look at this. Look at verse 15. I love verse 15. Please stay with me. And I pray that the Holy Ghost enlightens your eyes. If you are not understanding it, stop me and say, Pastor Sam, can you repeat it again? I don't understand it. So that, you know, I repeat because I really want you to get this. Hallelujah. Look at verse 15. It says, Bennett, Aka, Seda, Likahonda, Mushmehu, Zezemekunda, Parinde, Isesuese. What I'm about to say, I pray that it will sink deep into the recesses of your spirit, man, and never leave you. Look at verse 50. It says, For the law, Marin, brings wrath. Are you seeing that in your, in your Bible? If you don't have your Bible, now rush and get it and see this thing and underline it. The Bible says, For the law, that's what, brings wrath. For the law brings wrath. For the law brings wrath. That is why, you see, anytime men preach the law, the easiest thing that follows is the wrath of God. They start raining the curses upon people. Anytime men preach the law, the thing that follows is wrath. Releasing curses of God upon people. You don't pay your tithe. You are robbing God. Because of that, the devourer will devour. The curses of God are upon you. That is why your family is dying. That is why your business is not going on well. Because you are not paying your tithe. They are preaching the law. So what is coming? What is following? Wrath. They are preaching the law. Hallelujah. The Bible says the law brings wrath. There are a lot of believers who are living in fear and in wrath. Because Why? Because their hearts have held on to the law still. And I don't know how that happened. It is because... Preachers have been preaching the law to them. So wrath is always hanging upon their heads. Look at what follows. But where there is no law, there is no transgression. That means that where there is the law, there is transgression. Where there is the law, there is a constant memory. There is a constant, you know, um, mentality of transgression. The mentality of sin is always around where the law is. If you meet somebody who is so sin conscious, it is because he still abides in the law. Am I saying that we should not have remorse when we when we sin? No. Sin consciousness is not the same as you know having remorse when you sin and turning from it. That's it's two different things. There are people who are always looking for sins around them. Confessing sins they've not even committed. And they think by so doing they will please God. But look at the Bible is saying it here. For the law brings what? Wrath. So they always feel God is angry at them. The anger of God is against them. But the Bible says that you are accepted in the beloved. The Bible says that he has delivered you from the realm of condemnation and the wrath of God into the place where you are accepted in the beloved of God. 
But why are they feeling this way? It is because their heart is still holding on to the law. But where there is no law, there is no transgression. I love verse 16. Look at verse 16. That is why, he says, the Bible says, that is why it depends. What depends? The promise of being as The Bible says, it depends on faith in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his offspring. Hallelujah. Oh, don't you just love it? Am I the only one seeing it? Felicia, are you seeing it? Are you seeing it? Bennett, are you seeing it? Also, are you seeing it? Rhoda, are you seeing it? Look at this. The Bible says, that is why it depends on faith and not the law. In order that the promise, the promise of God to prosper you, the promise of God to bless you, the promise of God to establish you, the promise of God to preserve you and keep you unto the day of his coming, the promise of God unto you may rest on grace. That means that, oh, the manifestation, the fulfillment of God's promise in your life has absolutely nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with the sheer grace of God. And because it is, it has everything to do with the grace of God, it is guaranteed to everyone. All his offspring. Here the offspring here is talking about all who come to faith like Abraham. The Bible says that Abraham believed God and was counted to him for righteousness. In the same way, we also who believe God, it is counted to us for righteousness. Hallelujah. Let me read it again. That is why it depends on faith. Everything in the kingdom depends on faith, not the law. Not how well you can adhere to the law. Not how well you can do it, you can adhere to the law, but it depends on faith. That, that, that unyielding trust in the person of Christ, in the person of Christ, in the finished work of Christ, in, 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 in the grace of Christ, hallelujah, in order that the promise may rest on grace. The promise may rest on grace and not on your obedience. If it depended on the law, the promise will rest upon your obedience. How many of us would want the promise of God in our life to rest on our obedience? And how many of us would want it to rest on, on his grace? It is your obedience against the grace. Oswald, would you want it to rest on his grace or on your obedience? On his hmm? grace. On his grace. Hallelujah. Amen. And be guaranteed. I love that word. Do you know what guarantee means? <laughs> when you're going to buy a car and your credit is not enough, you know, you get a guarantor. Somebody will guarantee that you pay. So that if you don't pay, they will just go to the guarantor because they know the guarantor has enough money and then you just pay. So that it would be guaranteed unto all his promise. The reason the promise of God is guaranteed to you as a believer, meaning that it would not fail, it will come to pass. Are you understanding it? 
it will not fail. It will come to pass. Some of you, you look into your future, you look into your life, and sometimes, you know, you begin to feel as though the promise of God will never come to pass because you've done this, you've done that, you did not pray enough, or you felt like, you know, you, you've not read your Bible enough, or you've not gone to church enough, or you've done this, you did this in your past, and you did that in your past, and you've done this and you've done that, and you feel like you're so inadequate. So you've written yourself off from the promise of God. But I want to tell you, the promise is guaranteed unto you. <laughs> the earlier you believe it, the better for you. It is guaranteed unto you. No matter what comes and no matter what happens in your life, it is guaranteed unto you because the promise depends not on the law. It depends on faith. Therefore, it does not rest on your obedience, it rests on grace. It is the grace of God that has guaranteed the promise. Hallelujah. That's why the Bible says that stand fast in the grace of God and do not be yoked with any yoke of bondage. Mary, stand fast in the grace of God. Laureen, stand fast in the grace of God. Felicia, stand fast in the grace of God. God. The Bible says that so that all things may be to the praise of the glory of His grace. The glory of His grace. The glory of His grace. Every day you should wake up praising the glory of His grace. You should wake up praising. Do you know what is sustaining you? It is the grace of God. Hi. It is the grace of God. Manto zilabakandekai. So that the promise may be guaranteed to his offspring. Look, look at that. Look at that. Not only to the adherent of the law, but also to the one who shares the faith of Abraham. The one who shares what the faith of Abraham. And look at, look at, look at how he describes the faith of Abraham. Who is the father of us all? As it is written, I have made you the father of many nations in the presence of the God in whom he believed. And now he's going to describe God. Look at it. He says, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. In hope, he believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations as he had been told. So shall your offspring be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old. Or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb, no unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God. But he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. That is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. But the words it was counted to him were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be counted to us who believe in him, who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. What a beautiful argument. What a beautiful argument. Hallelujah. I just wanted to get to the end so that, you know, I'll read the part that says, but the words it was counted to him were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. Hallelujah. Because God is no respecter of persons. The same way he dealt with Abraham, it is the same way he's dealing with us. That if God counted Abraham's faith as righteousness, he will count your faith as righteousness. God does not count your obedience as righteousness. 
He counted Abraham's faith as righteousness. And in the same way, he will count your faith as righteousness. Now, let's examine the faith of Abraham. The Bible says that he did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead. Nor did he consider, when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb, no unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in faith as he gave glory to God. That was Abraham's faith. Hallelujah. The word of God came to Abraham. It was a promise of God. And everything in the natural was contrary to what God has said. And everything in the natural was inciting or moving Abraham onto unbelief. The only thing Abraham could get from what he was seeing with his optical eyes and hearing with his ears was unbelief. But the Bible says that when he considered his own body, he did not weaken in faith. When Abraham looked at his body and saw how his body was dead, how that he was 100 years old, and they were, there was, he had no way to have a child. And he looked at Sarah and how Sarah had passed menopause. He did not weaken in faith. But the Bible says that he rather grew strong in faith. How? As he gave glory to God. Brethren, listen, our everyday life, we are either being righteous, walking righteously before God, or walking in unrighteousness. And how does God judge righteousness and, righteous, and unrighteousness? By whether we walk in faith towards him or not. Anytime we walk in doubt, anytime we walk in unbelief, we are walking in unrighteousness. We are unrighteous before God. Anytime we walk in faith, we are righteous before God. Hallelujah. It is not about the works you do. They came to Jesus and asked Jesus, Jesus, what should we do so that we can work the works of God? Jesus said, this is the work of God, that you believe on him whom he had sent. The work of God, all that God wants you to do is to believe, is to have faith towards Him. That in your life, you will not doubt His word in your life. You will not doubt His promise in your life. When you consider the natural things that are contrary to His word of promise, but rather you will grow strong even in that adverse condition. You grow strong in faith. How? By giving glory to God. How can you give glory to God? Except if your eyes are seeing His promise every day and your mind is pondering His promise always and not the deadness of your body, not the deadness of Sarah's womb. You look into your situation and there is absolutely no way anything good can come out of it. There is absolutely no way the word of God can come to pass. And sometimes we resign our faith and we begin to work in unbelief. And we write ourselves, oh, it, it is over for me, I am finished. There's no, I, I, don't, I don't even know what to do. I'm finished. And sometimes we say, if God is alive, let him show you. No, 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 that's the talk of unbelief. That's a talk of unbelief. And we say, sometimes we say, where is God? That's a talk of unbelief. Abraham was not saying, where is God? Abraham was not saying, if God, God, if you are alive, you've spoken to me, your promise for 20 years. What are you, that was not, the Bible said, Abraham grew strong in faith by complaining. Abraham grew strong in faith by crying. Abraham grew strong in faith 
by murmuring. Is that what the Bible says? No, the Bible says, Abraham grew strong in faith as he gave glory to God. As he gave glory to God. Why did he do that? What moved Abraham? Even in the midst of the seemingly impossible situation, what moved the heart of Abraham to give glory to God? I want to show you. Look at verse 21. The Bible says that because he was fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. That is the secret. That is the secret. The reason even in the adverse, in the impossible situation, Abraham was not complaining. Abraham was not murmuring. Abraham was not crying. Abraham was not weeping and saying that it is finished. I am done. And I don't know what I'm going to do or what is, where is God. And the reason Abraham was not doing all those things we normally do and was rather praising and giving glory to God was because he was fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. The question is, are you fully convinced? Abigail said something to me the other day. He said, Sam, I feel like, you know, as believers, we have to believe in the integrity of God. So when she said that, the thing hit my spirit. We must believe in the integrity of God's word that God is able to do what he has said he would do. That the word of God will come to pass as he has said. And how true it is. Our hearts must be fully convinced. That is what faith is. Faith is when your heart is fully convinced. And when your heart is fully convinced, it doesn't, nothing else can unconvince you. When we walk in doubt, it is evidence that we have been unconvinced that you know, God is not able to perform what he has said. And we are rather being convinced that God cannot do what he has said. So the question is, are you fully convinced that God is able to do? That the word of God is true? Hallelujah. And because of that, he gave glory to God. So when you see people whining and crying and weeping for days in their situation, it is because they are not fully convinced. And sometimes they come, oh, but I prayed, I prayed, I prayed, I prayed, I prayed, I prayed, I don't know, I prayed, I prayed. The question is, no, you are not fully convinced. That's not what Abraham, for 20, Abraham was 100 years old. When God appeared to Abraham, he was around 80 or 77. Abraham became 100 years old and still the promise of God had not yet come to pass. But Abraham continued to grow strong in faith. Wow! He continued, he grew strong. Even when the situation was getting worse and worse, he was, his faith was growing stronger and stronger. Why? Because his heart was fully convinced and nothing could move him. Hallelujah. Brethren, this is the life we have been called to. This is the life we've been called to. And by so doing, in the sight of God, you will be righteous. You will be counted as what? Well. Your faith will be counted as righteous. The thing that counts as righteousness before God is not you praying, is not you fasting, is not you. If you do all these things outside of faith, it is not counted as righteousness. Those are the Bible says that anything that is not of faith is sin. Anything you do that is not of faith is sin. So when you pray out of faith, it is sin. When you live your life outside of faith, you are living in sin. Hallelujah. But when you hold when you when you walk in faith, fully convinced in your heart, 
about the faithfulness of God to his word of promise, God counts it as righteousness. You are the one God calls a righteous man. A righteous man is not somebody who wears white, white, and he always has his hands close together and, you know, walking around holier than thou. That's not a right. A righteous man is a man of faith. Hallelujah. Say with me, a righteous man is a man of faith. Is a man of faith. Tell me, say, say with me, the man of faith. The man of faith is the righteous man. Is the righteous man. Hallelujah. That is how, be in the eyes of God, that is righteousness and unrighteousness. Whether you are walking in faith or not. Hallelujah. Amen. Abraham did not look into his life and say, Oh, is it maybe because I produced, I produced, I, I, I took Hagar and produced Ishmael. That is why the promise of God has made in my life. Oh, I've sinned against God. Maybe that is why. That was not what Abraham was saying. Because you see, the Bible says the promise is not guaranteed by obedience to the law. It is guaranteed by grace. It is guaranteed by what? Grace. Oh, I, I, I just pray that your heart will get this. That That is what, as a believer, you see, no wonder Paul could say things like, for we know that all things work together for our good. You see, this is the kind of understanding Paul had. That is why he could say things like that. Sometimes when you read the letters of Paul, you wonder, Paul, what kind of understanding does he have? It is this kind of understanding. But sad to say, we've received so many messages that have, you know, they, they, they've contorted the truth to us so much that we don't really see what his faith is really about. That. But this is it. The Bible says that the law bringeth wrath. Run away from the law. The law came by Moses. Grace and truth came by who? Come on, talk to me, brethren. Grace and truth came by who? Jesus. Jesus Christ. Brethren, come on, talk to me now. I said the law came by Moses. Grace and truth came by who? Jesus. Jesus Christ. Yes. Grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. This is what God will have for us. This is what God will have for us. Look at this thing in, in Hebrews chapter number three. And I'm going to I'm I'm picking it up from you know where the Bible says the law came by Moses and grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Hebrews chapter number three, verse one. The Bible says that therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus. Consider who? Jesus. Not Moses. Not Moses. When you consider the law, you are considering Moses. He says, consider who Jesus. When you consider when you, when you consider grace, you are considering Jesus. Hallelujah. Because what? Grace and truth came by Jesus. Grace and truth did not come by Moses. It came by Jesus. He said, consider Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession, who was faithful to him who appointed him, just as Moses also was faithful in all, all God's house. You see, Moses here represents the law. Jesus here represents grace. The Bible says that Moses was faithful in God's house, meaning that, that the law came and the law was given and 
the purpose of the law, the law was just there to do what it was supposed to do, to give light. And that is what he did. But look at it, the Bible says, For Jesus has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, as much more glory as the builder of a house has more honor than the house itself. The Bible says, Now Moses was faithful in God's house as a servant to testify of the things that were, that were to be spoken later. But Christ is faithful over God's house as a son. And we are his house indeed if we hold fast our confidence and our boasting and our hope. Moses was faithful as a servant. Christ Jesus was faithful as a son. The Bible says that the slave or the servant does not abide in the house forever. But the son abides in the house forever. Therefore, if the son shall set you free, you shall be free. That means that the servant does not have authority in the house. It is the son that has authority in the house. The law does not have authority. It is grace that has authority. If you want to command authority before God, you have to walk in grace, not the law. Hallelujah. The law served a purpose. It was our schoolmaster, and it brought us to Christ Jesus. Now that it has done its purpose, it is over. That is why the promise is not guaranteed by obedience to the law. It is guaranteed by grace. And if it is by grace, it is through faith. The channel through which grace delivers its blessings, its goods, to you is faith. Hallelujah. The work of grace is faith. Oh, I pray that somebody's heart is really catching this thing. The Lord bring it wrath. The Lord bring it wrath. But Christ is faithful over God's house as a son. Are we taking after Christ or we are taking after Moses? We are surely taking after Christ. Therefore, we also abide in the house as sons. And if you are abiding in the house as sons, then it is by grace through faith. Through faith. Through faith. And we are his house indeed if we hold fast our confidence. If we hold fast our confidence, what is holding fast to your confidence? It is holding fast to your, your confidence. Your faith is your confidence. Your faith is your confidence. It is that fully being, being fully convinced that God is able to do what he has said. Holding fast to that confidence. Your faith is your confidence. Hallelujah. And our boasting in, in our hope. Hallelujah. You see, faith always boasts. It boasts in Christ. The Bible says that let, him, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom, nor the rich man boast in his riches, nor the strong man boast in his strength. But let him who boasts, boast in this. Boast in the Lord. You see, Paul says that we make our boast in Christ. Hallelujah. Faith always is boasting about God. It is always boasting about Christ. Even in, an, in, even in seemingly impossible circumstances, faith holds fast to its profession. It holds fast to its confession. And it makes boast in its hope. 
it continues to boast even in the face of you know contrary in the, in the face of contrary things when things are against it is still making a boast when Abraham was giving praise to God he was making boast about God he kept saying my God he, he kept making he kept making confessions of faith which was his boasting in God he kept making confessions of faith I know my Redeemer liveth. I know my God is faithful to his word of promise. I am not moved. I'm not shaken. Hallelujah. That was the kind of boast Abraham. And he kept giving glory to God. Giving glory and praising God. Because he had counted God faithful. And because he counted God faithful, God also counted him righteous. When you count God faithful by your faith, God counts you righteous by his righteousness. Hallelujah. Of a generation. Are you listening to me? Are you listening to me? Listen. The promise is guaranteed by what? By grace. Tell me the promise. Promise. Is guaranteed by grace. Hallelujah. It's by grace. It's by grace. It has absolutely nothing to do with you. If it was guaranteed by anything else, it would be that means that if you do good, it will come. If you do, if you falter, then it, that's the end. That was the old covenant. It was based on whether they could do or they could not do. Do you know that the blessing of being the Bible says? Remember Second Peter two nine. The Bible says, "But you are a chosen generation, a royal priest to the holy nation, a peculiar people set apart to display the virtues and the perfections of Him that called you into His marvelous light." Do you know that that blessing? God gave to the Israelites, if you read the book of Exodus, he says that you'll be a peculiar people unto me if you will obey the law. It was conditioned upon if they could obey the law. But the Israelites could not, so God did not make them a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. They were not. God did not make them. But as in Christ, through grace, this promise of becoming the chosen generation, the royal priesthood, the holy nation, the peculiar people set apart to display the virtues and perfections of him that called us into his marvelous life, has been guaranteed unto us. How? By grace. And how did we receive it? Through faith. Oh, somebody, may your spirit get this. You see, when you understand this, it will be the end of all your worries. It will be the end of all your worries. Hallelujah. Hey, guaranteed by grace. I feel like shouting right now. Hallelujah. Guaranteed by grace. Amen. Guaranteed by grace. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Guaranteed by grace. Oh, it will come to pass in your life because it is guaranteed by grace. Grace is grace. Grace is the one guaranteeing it in your life. You will not be a failure because it is guaranteed by grace. Amen. You will be a success because it is guaranteed by grace. Amen. Amen. You, you, you understand? 
You will prosper because it is guaranteed by grace. No, 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 no. If somebody gets... Listen, you will do well in life because it is guaranteed by grace. Amen. You will experience glory in your life. You would eat of the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living because it is guaranteed by grace. Listen, the favor of God will always be upon your life because it is guaranteed by grace. It is guaranteed by grace. No, 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 don't sit there worrying how is it going to be. It has been, do you know what it means to be? It means that grace has signed and sealed it and delayed. It is signed, sealed, delivered. It's a done deal. Grace has guaranteed it. Grace. He, that means he has made it sure. He has made it certain. Oh, that is why your life is beautiful. Hallelujah. Your life will be full of God's glory. You are an inheritor. You are a joint heir with Christ because it has been guaranteed by grace. Yes. Hallelujah. Amen. That is why you have to stop looking. You have to look beyond your faults. Look beyond your shortcomings. Because if it is based on that, I'm telling you, you will never get there. You will never. That is why some people will marvel, they will continue to marvel at you. Because they will say, ah, this guy, he doesn't really deserve to be here. But you'll be there. And God will keep elevating you and elevating you. The Bible says that promotion comes not from the east nor the west, but from where? Above. Grace will continue to promote you in life. It will keep promoting you in life. It will keep establishing, it will keep elevating you. And people will just wonder, ah, this guy, what is it about him? What has he done in his life? And they'll come and ask you, brother, what is the secret to your success? And you say, because it is guaranteed by grace. Hallelujah. You'll not sit there and say, oh, because I, I went to medical school and because I... No, 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 it's not because of that. Or because I have a PhD. No, there are a lot of people with PhD who are suffering and they are poor. And they are bankrupt. You just, oh, you, you just laugh and tell them it is guaranteed by grace. Hallelujah. Eh? Mary. When you start owning those oil companies, they'll ask you, a young man, how did you do it? He said, it was guaranteed by grace. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Faith generation, as we are reaching all over the end of the world, preaching the gospel and winning souls, and they'll wonder, you people are so young, how are you able to do this? It was guaranteed by grace. It was guaranteed by grace. Oh, Maziko Sosonde. You not sit there and write that, oh, I had three, 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 three ways of doing it. It wasn't your three ways. It wasn't 20. So at that time, don't write a book and write 21 steps to. That's false. It wasn't any 21 steps. It was just one thing. It was guaranteed by grace. That's all. Your book you write, it will be only one leaf in the book. Or it will just be a card. Guaranteed by grace. And you put it on the market. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. 
Hallelujah. Grace has settled it. Grace has settled it. I love that. I love that. I love that. It is done. It is done. Maybe right now where you are, you are looking at your academy, you are looking at your academy, you are looking at it and say, hey, how can I even finish this school with all this adversity coming against me? Let me tell you, you finish it because it has been guaranteed by grace. Let me, it, it doesn't matter the kind of demons that are fighting your school, you will still finish it. It, it, it has been guaranteed by grace. Yeah. <laughs> even if your professor turns against you, you will still have to give you that degree. <laughs> she will be giving it to you and will be crying. She'll say, I don't know why I'm giving you, but I have to give it to you. It is guaranteed by grace. I'm telling you. Oh, lift up your voice and begin to pray in tongues right now. Come on, somebody. Lift up your voice and begin to pray in tongues. Kadaba, meni, 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 me